So, Jamie, time for strike action. Right. This is the serious action right now. Ladies and gentlemen, listening to this podcast, do not adjust your stream. We have taken over this. Ian and I are striking for better working conditions. We have had enough of the tyrannical Ian and his despotic nature towards us. Exactly. Hello? What do we want? Here we come. Better working conditions and better representation on the giant brain team. Can I, get, can I come in? We're striking, Ian. Only if you agree to our demands. What are your demands? You did, I, I just said it. I just said it, Ian. I wasn't listening to you. I don't care. Better working conditions and more representation on the giant brain team. Well, you, you're literally one of the other presenters, and so are you. What more do you want? Do you want to do all the editing? No, I, I don't. I, I, well, then. I, do you want paid? Because that's not happening. I, oh, um... Hmm. I'm coming in. I spend all the money on obtaining the Brainwave HQ and stopping the terrible thing downstairs from happening. Oh, the oh, the terrible thing. Yeah, okay. Uh, Ian, have you got any ideas? Because I'm running out of them. Um, no. no uh, well, look, I brought you no. coffees at least. Okay? How about I bring you coffees hey, each day? Strike. There we go. And, what? and you complete. can do the podcast still ian ian you folded like a pack of cards there what can i say i like coffee jamie 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 don't worry he'll be the first against the wall when the revolution comes whoa whoa let's not do that comrade come on all for one and one for all i will continue to do this under protest i'm here for the coffee (sighs) julie noted on both of you this is brainwaves episode 60 bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news these are the headlines for the week of the 9th of november 2020 Critical Role get into board games. Pokemon continues to bring in the money. Or does it? And Hasbro is in the money. Again. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. First up, we have Mr. Chandler with uh, news from the Critical Role studios. Exactly. Critical Role, the famous RPG actual playgroup, have recently announced that they are going to be stepping into the world of board games. Darrington Press will be headed up by Ivan Van Norman, someone who has experience producing their own game, as well as having a producer credit on Will Wheaton's tabletop. Matthew Mercer, the games master of the Critical Rail Group, joins the company as a creative advisor. Along with the announcement of the studio, Critical Rail showed off one of the games coming in 2021 and announced several others. Akatoa, a semi-co-op game where your sailor is trying to be the last claimed by the Leviathan Akatoa. It's for 3-5 players aged 12+. Course 2 is Critical Rail Adventurers. A legacy-like campaign game where you play as the upstart Vox Machina. Quarter 3 is Syndicult, a modern magic RPG designed by Mercer. And finally, Quarter 4 2021 is Guardians of Matrimonia, a co-op card game. So, Ian Jamie, there seems to be a lot of co-op elements in what's been introduced. What do you reckon about that? Well, first of all, I reckon you're not taking things seriously, Ian. Yeah, who's this critical RAL group you've been talking about? I believe it's a Tolkien fan, Tolkien fan page, Ian. <laughs> uh, no. There's a lot of co-op in there. I mean, bringing people around the table is what Critical Role has always been about, always been promoting that side of the hobby, and especially with D&D and their work with that. 
So yeah, it's not, I can't say it's entirely surprising to see a lot of co-op and semi-co-op elements in their board game output. I mean, whether any of these will come to fruition in the timelines they say is another matter altogether with everything that's going on in the world right now. So yeah, uh, yeah, interesting to see them step into that world though. And interesting to see an RPG in that list as well. Something, sort of, uh, an RPG that's fully original coming out of that group. We'll see what that entails later next year not surprised by the announcement of something like syndicult as you said you know the the pedigree that the critical role brand has is is fertile ground for something like an an rpg designed by mercer himself i mean the creativity that goes into his his adventures is is huge so it's great there is there's another project alongside that yeah a couple of semi-co-op games yeah absolutely understandable as you said it's all about getting right get around the table um even if that table is virtual uh yeah you know i'm i'm all for it's we'll have a look at it i mean it's not going to go away anytime soon because it is critical role the driving force behind the dungeons and dragons resurgence in the late 2010s so yeah i'm I'm, i'll keep an eye on this definitely i mean i haven't i haven't watched any of uh critical role but I'll, i'll have a look see what's going on i think you mean critical real jamie the fishing show. Oh, no, see, I'm a fan of Critical Real. Um, speaking of money and talent being toured into new board game companies, we have a new one called Warchief Gaming, formed by two ex-vice presidents of Blizzard Entertainment, who develop Overwatch, World of Warcraft, etc. Uh, Chris Metzen, Senior Vice President of Story and Franchise Development, and Mike Gilmartin, Vice President of QA, are starting Warchief Gaming. Uh, the website's currently a under-construction GIF. Interesting to see big, big names like that from the world of computer games come into board gaming, and we'll see what they do with that. We'll keep you updated, I guess, as that happens. Seems like a natural consequence of the last few years of board game mm. finances going sky-high with an increasing market share of just tabletop and gaming in general. So, speaking of huge sums of money, we go live to Ian McAllister with Pokemon. Yes, over the last couple of casts we have reported on Pokemon cards and collections selling for vast quantities of money. So, but once again, Pokemon is gracing the pages of The Guardian in a slightly extraordinary story about a new deal that went sour. A gentleman called Chris Camillo, who is a social arbitrage investor, do not ask and don't look it up, uh, one of the founders of YouTube channel Dumb Money, had made a deal with a seller after identifying the appetite for nostalgic collectibles. We reported uh, on the cast recently about the rapper Logic buying a pristine Charizard card for $226,000. So there's money in this stuff. The sellers were led by Jake Greenbaum, a blockchain entrepreneur, again, don't look that one up, uh, who is billed as Logan Paul's personal Pokemon consultant. Uh, Logan Paul, for those who are not aware, is a YouTube star and internet celebrity. The sellers had an unopened box of first edition boosters and had asked to be paid in cash. The box was opened live on YouTube with the money lying on the table for all to see. All $375,000 of it. That's a lot of cheddar. That is a lot of cheddar. The idea was to check on the box and hand over the money. The mood, however, quickly soured when the rares that had been anticipated upon opening the boosters did not show up, instead having been replaced with filler sets that were common, damaged, or just plain worthless. Understandably, the deal did not go through, and when Camillo was contacted by The Guardian shortly after the deal, he said he was still in shock, but he felt worse for the seller. Figures provided by eBay say that the sale of collectible cards on the platform has increased 123% between July and October of this year. 
Barney Ludkins, owner of a UK-based collectibles company, said the boxes that had been selling for £6,000 just five years ago were now selling for in the region of six figures. And there's a little bit more information in that Guardian article from a couple of other collectible focused businesses where they're saying people are basically digging cards from out of the back of the cupboard or under beds, thinking that they're worth thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds and being, let's put it, sorely disappointed. So is this just capitalism gone mad or is it a consequence of the collectible model a bit of both um what's happening here so ian you mentioned that you reckon this is logan paul just jacking up prices yeah jamie found another article about uh, logan paul basically being very much into investing in the collectible nostalgia collectible kind of area pokemon in particular and that that exposure uh, has given the sort of pokemon scene a bit of a boost a bit of a kick and people are buying and selling these things for long-term investment purposes it's he's he's admitted that he's been buying these cards as an investment in one of his youtube videos he said i have no doubt in my mind this card will be worth a million dollars between two and three years from now they are called appreciating assets i'm done by lamborghinis i'm done buying stuff that won't make me money so it seems that he is you know it's an investment for now you know, you're spending you know i said 198,000, whatever and then who knows how much that's going to be in a couple of years' time. But it also means that with the uptick in Pokemon cards selling and the market kicking back into life again, not that everybody went away, but you know what I mean, uh, there is also this greater audience who might look for really rare boxes of Pokemon cards videos. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I I have sold a couple of board games in the last few years, which I wish I had held on to for a little bit longer because they've been worth a bit more money. But yeah, I mean... I'm not sure about the... I mean, yeah, if you've got the money, maybe you want to invest in Pokemon as a long-term investment, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't 100% guarantee it. This all does seem to be, on the advice of Jake Greenbaum, Logan Paul's personal Pokemon consultant, who is a blockchain entrepreneur, so has clearly a lot of experience with wistful financial thinking and smoke and mirrors. Listen, I think if we're a day we're in the day and age where someone can post their job title as personal Pokemon consultant, that's that's a <laughs> hell of a job you've got there. I mean that that is encyclopedic. Board knowledge. games have made yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Board games have made it. Anyway, Jamie, going from dodgy financial dealings to massive gigantic companies, Hasbro earnings call. Yes, it's time for my financial trousers to come on, uh, and it is. Thank God. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes, it's a financial report <laughs> Why from do they have Hasbro. To be later, they don't have to be later hosen. I just like the feel of them. But they just are. <laughs> yeah. Now this is a report for the third quarter of the financial year. Now they are bucking the decline they saw in the second quarter. Uh, they've reported a rise of 11% in its, the gaming category. During a conference call with CEO Brian Goldner, profits across the company's gaming category were revealed to be up 21% to $543 million against the same quarter last year. Now, Magic the Gathering sales were up double digits, but Goldner said they could have been higher if it were not for constrained product availability due to massive increase in demand, possibly due to the massive global pandemic that's been going on. Revenue from Dungeons & Dragons itself were up 20% in the quarter and across the year. Goldner added that sales in the fourth quarter were off to a great start, with sales data collected from point of sale indicating the gaming category would be up 17.9% so far. That's mad. Now Hasbro's understandably 
has pretty high hopes for the gaming category as more people discover the hobby over the lockdown. Now, Goldner would not comment on the percentage of sales that were attributable to digital uh, markets, but he did say the majority of sales were from physical releases. So there is a lot being said there. There's a lot not being said there, take that what you will. Overall revenue for the company, however, is down 4% and profits were up only slightly. Now, this news unfortunately drove the stock price down by 9% on the day the earnings were announced. Now, if a lot of that doesn't make sense to you, don't worry. I have the vaguest idea of what it is myself. But I'm doing the best I can and I'm sounding confident, which is 98% of what you need to hear. There is a uh, a moment from the conference call uh, with Goldner where he revealed that the company was looking at commissioning a Dungeons & Dragons live-action TV series with interest from both streaming and terrestrial broadcasters. We have a full transcript of that in the show notes, and all I'm saying is I really hope it's like the 80s Saturday morning cartoon. Costumes and all. Now, Ian's... Holding out hope for Jeremy Irons. That's all. That's <laughs> Love it. I love that film. Like, I know it's bad, but I love it because it's so bad. So, Ian's, with the revenue of the company down 4% and that driving the stock price down a little bit, this is a stupid question. Do we think Hasbro's in trouble? Or do you think it's just like a little dip and it's going to recover quite well? Because it is the run-up to Christmas and board games always do well at Christmas with the inevitable buy a Monopoly set and trash it on Christmas Day. Yeah, true. But, like, I mean, a lot of people are going to be counting the pinching the pennies this christmas they're going to be like looking at like where they can save money and if they're toys or sort of toys category the other side of the business that we, we don't really talk about if that is if, if that's depressed over the the winter period then maybe they'll be looking to i mean I, they might be looking to lean on the gaming category maybe they'll be looking to invest in that and see if they can double down on the improvements that the gaming category has seen which would be good for us i guess so I don't know if it's in trouble yet, but it, like seeing the share price drop like that, seeing that the profits are only like just up a little bit, that's not good for a company that is fluid on the stock market and has investors. No, that's fair. That's that's that's, that's reasonable, I suppose. Yeah, I think the stock price is definitely a consequence of their business model of just growth, 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 and yeah. Yeah, and we've seen a couple of interesting things with like companies splitting off from Hasbro after being bought by them. So, yeah, I think we'll see some more changes to Hasbro over twenty twenty one, especially if the convention season continues to be well, let's face it, effectively non existent. And certainly in the UK, I'm going to be very surprised if we see UK Games Expo go ahead next year at the moment, because that's not looking very likely. Really? So yeah, I mean June time. Do you have enough? Do you, do you have even a vaccine and enough people vaccinated by that point to have thousands of people gather in a conference center? Maybe. Yep, it's a it's a good point, and I mean, I was about to say we'll keep an eye on it, but it's Hasbro. I mean, it's one of the titans of the industry. It's not like it's ever going to go away. We do this stuff because although it's a little dry, it's always interesting to see these conference calls and what they're what they're saying to their investors. And how that's going to affect us down the line. Because it will. We heard that there's a potential live-action TV series for D&D in the works. Come on, that's, that's that's worth it alone. I mean, compared to that, the rest of that's all like Arrakis during the dry season. Gene reference. Silence. Way Silence. Over head. Yeah. That, that, that'll be the tumbleweeds rolling down the, rolling down the high street. <laughs> ah, see, if, if you listen and you understood that, 
You're good people. You're good people. Anyway, I'll move it on to one of these dolts. Ian M, I believe you have more news for us. Indeed, it is our sad news to report that the celebrated artist Martin McKenna died suddenly in September. He started in the 80s with small press magazines, then got his first professional commissions for White Dwarf, and he went on to illustrate a lot of Warhammer fantasy roleplay books and the first Warhammer 40k book. He also worked on a lot of Magic the Gathering cards and was an artist for 12 fighting fantasy game books and covers for 18 of them. You'll see his art across, gracing a lot of those books and I was... A, I thoroughly love that style of art. The thoughts of the Brainwave team are with his family at this difficult time. It's always sad when a when a well-known member of the community dies and someone with such a, a great portfolio of work, you know, going from the 80s, a lot of his work in White Dwarf and Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the first 40k book. I mean, that is groundbreaking. Ian, moving on from this, that sad news, Asmodee has some information about how to play their games online. Yes, we've previously covered how Asmodee, publishing giant that they are, have made resources available to help gamers during this time of the global brouhaha, as it is formerly known. As well as publishing <laughs> free print and play versions of several of their most well-known family games, they have now published rules of how to play several games remotely over video conferencing software such as Zoom or Skype. Right now, the games included in this are Dixit Double, or Spotty in the US, Just One, Time's Up, and Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. One of these things is not like the others. More will be updated in the coming weeks, and it is a lovely gesture, especially with Lockdown 2 Electric Avenue coming in just now in England. Jamie and Ian, pushing digital tabletop? I mean, they, that's what they should be doing. So I have, I have issues with this. I mean, I'm I'm all for like them saying like, okay, here's how to play some of our games over Zoom or Skype. That's fine. I've got no issue with that. But when they are simultaneously and early in the year, we talked about this, taking down tabletop simulator mods for things like I don't know Arkham, for instance, and then pushing like less efficient ways to play their games online right now, that just seems like madness to me. Why aren't they saying? Hey, we've put together our Tabletopia. Like they could go for Tabletopia. At least they get some money that way. If they're concerned about the IP kind of thing, they could be making versions of these games on Tabletopia that you could play and pushing that platform. Instead, they're they're pushing this, which is kind of okay, but not great. Why not take this opportunity to push the digital tabletop side? I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, I I know. Now, on the one hand, I'm thinking. Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator, none of that money is going to Fancy Flight uh, or Asmodee. That's not true. With Tabletopia, you do, really? the publishers do get money. Yeah. Okay. Publishers then, get a cut on Tabletopia, which is why I mentioned that one. Well, then, shut my mouth. TTS, you're right. Yeah. But, like, like you can go on TTS right now and find basically all of Asmodee, well, Fancy Flights, but Asmodee's Star Wars output. And if anyone's, as we've said before, if anyone's going to be litigious about their stuff being copyright uh, copied, is the Star Wars franchise. I mean, true. Yeah. true. It's it's just a real. There's just a really weird thing going on there, and I'd really like to know what's going on behind the scenes because, yeah, this now is the time to push like the digital tabletop stuff, your digital adaptions and that kind of thing. But instead, they're doing this. I mean, and that's great for people who only have like Zoom access and like sort of like these more simple party games. That's cool. It's great that they're doing it at all. But also, why aren't you pushing that other side of it? I, I don't fully really get it. 
Yeah, I. I could go on about it, that for a long time. I know you could. I know you could, Ian. I'd, I'd yeah. like to just point out that, as was mentioned, you know, the games you've got, you know, Double, great, Just One, I've heard fantastic, Dixit, and Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I mean, I, I'm not sure about Double. Yeah, what are you going to do with Double? Absolutely, just smash the webcam. Yeah, like, like, Dixit, sure, like, but Double is like, no, I mean. We we should look into like how they suggest to play double via Zoom out of curiosity, because <laughs> well, you yeah. say that we could do a stream where we play double over Discord or something like that. The rules are up there. I've linked it to you all, so why don't we play it? You hush your cynical mouth, says <laughs> says Jamie. Well, yeah. you sort that out, and while you're doing that, why don't you tell us about what he's doing about paying its DMs? Watsy, don't use jargony, and it's Wizards of the Coast. Come on. Yes, hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Now, during the pandemic, funnily enough, online playing of role-playing games has hugely increased with, as I said previously, Dungeons & Dragons leading that charge. And their publisher, Wizards of the Coast, has announced virtual play weekends after seeing huge success with their D&D Live and D&D Celebration events. Now, planned throughout uh, November to March... Virtual play weekends are being run through Boldman Games, a partner of Wizards of the Coast. Notably, Boldman Games has a policy of paying their DMs. The statement from Boldman's website is, Programs like these are only possible due to our awesome legions of DMs who put in countless hours of work honing their craft, preparing adventures and platforms for their games, and sometimes even spending vacation days from work to help out. We like to think we have some of the best, if not the best, DMs in the land, and it's time we recognise that fact. DMs part of the event will be paid relative to the number of paid players at their table. Now the current rate is 75% of the ticketed price after credit card processing fees. Now players will be paying something like $14 for a 4 hour adventure, uh, $8 for a 2 hour adventure and about $4 currently discounted for a learn to play adventure. Gents, do we think this is enough, considering the efforts the GM puts in? Yeah, we ran the maths a little bit before we came out on, and if it's like a four-player game, though I think mostly they have like four or five, six-player games, if it's a four-player game, it's like 8 55 an hour, not including like any prep work and that kind of thing that you've put into it. No? <laughs> I don't think it's enough. <laughs> like, if you're gonna pay, if you're gonna pay GM, like GMs to to run things in a paid manner, I think you should pay them a bit more than that. And especially if they're literally taking time of from their holidays, which they don't get a lot of necessarily in the US, to, to help you out. Yeah, I don't know. What interests me about this is Wizards of the Coast are setting themselves up as like an Uber or Deliveroo style gig worker company now i mean it's it's a small thing but if this goes ahead and continues to go ahead then at some point wizards of the coast has thousands of employees who do work wizards of the coast get cash for these employees doing work and they pay presumably them as contractors meaning no standard hourly rate no holiday pay no job security whatsoever yeah yeah, I mean, this is not the first time that the idea of paid DMs has come about during my time role-playing. I've seen a couple of efforts to have basically, like, 
except effectively like is there a dm in your area you can hire them to come and run a game for you kind of stuff yeah but Ian, you've been gaming since dinosaurs roamed the earth well that's true i'm half velociraptor so yeah watch out for that i wondered why never mind yeah it's the short it's the short arms you can tell ah that's it yeah i don't know it's it's a really interesting thing i'm like there's all there's always been all sorts of organized play which helps companies promote their product like uh like well like there's dnd has got its organized play pathfinder does as well and those people have always done it voluntarily and yeah they've got maybe got some product and that kind of thing from time to time but they're never really being paid as such so uh, we'll keep an eye on this we'll bring you more on it as as it comes up but i think uh, also that wizards have been auctioning off some of their unique bits and pieces from the warehouses jamie as well yes alongside the announcement of the virtual play weekends Wizards of the Coast's charity partner, Extra Life, who supports Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, has announced that they'll be hosting a series of charity auctions uh, on Wizards of the Coast's eBay page. Now, there was one set of lots that were uh, available until November the 7th, so when this goes out, unfortunately, that will have come to an end. But there will be a second lot starting just after that. So I'll explain about the first lot first. And then second lot second, and that makes more sense rather than spending the second lot first and the first lot second, because that gets confusing. So the first lot first, which was, there were several uncut Magic the Gathering card sets, which were available. And we're talking, you know, sets of cards that hadn't gone through the cutters, and they were the size of large posters. And they would have been, you know, absolutely usable Magic the Gathering cards had they been cut up. But I think it's quite cool to have a huge wall of, po- of, uh, of cards like that. That's pretty awesome. Now that was... The first lot, which I said I was going to explain first, which I just have. So on to the second lot, which is from the 7th of November to the 17th of November. There'll be several Dungeons & Dragons editorial lots, including covers of recent books. Uh, I believe they call them editorial galleries. So the books include, or the, the art from the books includes the adventure Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Maiden. The setting guide, Explorer's Guide to Wildemount, which I believe is Critical Role, tying back to earlier in the podcast and the imminent supplement tasha's cauldron of everything with a host of new subclasses to play and new feats and new gubbins now all of this is corresponding to a newly announced game called the great dalmuti from richard garfield the man behind such titans of the board game industry as king of tokyo king of new york keyforge and magic the gathering now, the, I say it's a new game. The game is about 25 years old and was originally a game called Scum, but it's been reworked, rethemed into Dungeons and & Dragons, and it's finally being released. You know, a, a very nice thing from Wizards. They could certainly do with the good publicity. <laughs> wow. Enough <cold>. said. <laughs> what? That's true. <laughs> Anyway, moving on, uh, we would very much like to thank all the people who make this cast possible, all our patrons. Thank you very, very much for keeping the cast going and allowing us to keep hosting uh, the WordPress site and the Podbean site. Especially big thanks to our executive producers, Lucky Sparrow Gaming Cafe. Gone but never forgotten. Gone but never forgotten. We hope you're okay out there, folks. Uh, Do get in touch. And Sean Newman from the Game A Lot team will put links to both those places in our show notes. And if you'd like to support us, you can find the support us page on the website where there's a host of links to various bits and pieces, various ways to give us a little bit of money if you'd like to. 
but you can also check out Metallic Dice Games, who make some very, very, very nice metal dice. They sent us some samples, which were great. And if you use the code RollWithBrains, all capital letters, all one word, you will get a bit of a discount, and we will get a bit of a cut, and they will send you some lovely metal dice to the post. Of course, you have to pay for them. You don't get them for free. Anyway, Jamie, uh, politically uh, relevant Monopoly is on the horizon. Ouch. Ooh, nice. You mentioned Monopoly. Anyone mentions Monopoly in certain parts of the board game community, there's this tidal wave of, of anger and, and, and hatred and sadness that seems to follow. But, but there's a new Monopoly that says, don't get sad, get even. Yes, it is Monopoly for Sore Losers Edition. No, I'm not making this up. The front cover is Mr. Monopoly himself holding a lot of money and wiping his tears away with, I think it's the £500 note. Now, it is Monopoly, as is usual. But players advance in this game by doing all the bad things. You can't see this, but I'm doing quotation fingers. Things like paying rent or going to jail, paying taxes, landing on useless spaces on the board. Um, And you do this, you obtain what are called sore loser coins. Now you can cash four sore loser coins in and they will give you control of a large Mr. Monopoly token which will allow you to stomp around the board to gain money left, right and centre instead of paying for it. And if all of that hasn't enticed you, community chest and chance cards promote and set up sore losers allowing you to, you know, do the, the bad things to get ahead in the game. It's important to note that one of the warnings on the game is only for domestic use. So don't you dare be playing that game outside or in a warehouse because the Monopoly police will be watching. Oh yeah, they'll be watching. It's nice to see Monopoly go from representing capitalism, sheer unfettered capitalism, to straight representing the US elections. Excellent work. Ooh, dangerously political. (laughs) No, it's not dangerous. Uh, the political not views of Ian Chandler do not represent the political I mean, views of the Premier's team. They, they, only they, they do. But Monopoly for Sore Losers, yes, it's available in Britain uh, as of, well, the week this is going out. I think the end of the week. So if you want, keep an eye out, and Christmas is just around the corner. Rush out and don't <laughs> buy it. Ouch. So moving away from Ian's negativity just want to say thank you very much for listening everyone if you like what you've listened to then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and a rating on itunes now you can also follow us on twitter at the giant brain our instagram is giant brain uk we're on facebook at the giant brain our website is giantbrain.co.uk and if you'd like to email us with any thoughts suggestions complaints about me and my ability to not come up with jokes on the fly email giantbrainuk at gmail.com look after yourself everybody take care and you'll hear from us again real soon bye bye see you later bye bye